Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Authentic Messengers. My name is Catherine Van Wetter and I will be your host today. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, I have been interviewing different authors from our new book, Life Sparks. All of these interviews have been archived, so if you miss one, you can go to www.blogtalk forward slash authenticmessengers.com. Please also visit us on our Facebook page, Authentic Messengers. And it's really exciting because Life Sparks has come out and we got bestseller last week on Amazon. So for those of you who are listening in and you don't have your copy, please go to Amazon or go to our Authentic Messengers site to be able to get your copy. And we're also coming up with another LifeSpark series that will be focusing on nurses and how they have affected the world in the work that they do. So look for our next LifeSpark series that will be going out probably in the next six months or so. So here we go again, October 18th. Every time I do this show, I'm just amazed with how quickly the time goes and on the 18th already. And I'm really excited to be interviewing Fred Cameron, who is a researcher, author, and lecturer with a joint degree in astronomy and physics. He's worked as a programmer and ran a a small software company for many years. He went through a spiritual awakening back in the late 80s, And it just really prompted him to go into looking and exploring different realities beyond what science can describe. And so he's the author of seven books and the founder of the FreeAlliance.com. Hello, Fred. Hello, Catherine. That's a mouthful with what I said, and I know that you're so much more than just that. (laughs) Well, uh, it's been a, a long, winding road. Let's just put it that way. Well, I'm glad to be part of being able to interview you today and grateful that you've taken the time to be with me here. So, um, you know, part of you and I, (laughs) thank you. You and I have known each other for a few months and we've had long discussions on the state of the world right now and how many people really aren't happy right now. And they're really not sensing that they're getting what they need. What do you feel is going on, and how does the program that you offer um, help move people in a more positive direction? What's going on is we've become disconnected from uh, the spiritual parts of ourselves that are inside each one of us, but we live in a society that doesn't emphasize those things we have a whole scientific worldview that says well none of that really exists in the first place but it used to be long ago there was a golden age there are over 300 different uh, legends and stories from cultures all around the world in every different time about a time when there was no pain there was no loneliness there was no lack but somehow, and at some point, we lost that connection. And ever since, we felt like we're on our own. So it's easy for us to become alienated, to feel disempowered, to feel uh, demoralized. 
So the key is to find a way to reestablish that connection. And that's been an ongoing process. You spoke of the golden age. So how? what's your sense with how long this has been evolving in the current state that it's in? Oh, I think... I think that probably that that state ended for the most part over 12,000 years ago before the uh, historical era. So uh, there's no certain records of it. Uh, and yet we each know that there's something more to life mm-hmm. than what we meet in the everyday world. There's some inner knowing, at least from time to time, especially uh, as children. But we're forced to outgrow that because the weight of the world doesn't acknowledge that anymore. And unless we work at it a little bit, we don't feel that connection any longer, although it's still there. Wow. So if someone first needs to have the insight or the wisdom to recognize that they're feeling that sense of disconnection, a meaningless in some ways. You didn't use that word, but I would go to say further that many people feel meaningless in their job or in their life, therefore not really feeling like they have a purpose. So how do people reawaken to the reminder that they are deeply connected? And you haven't said this yet, though to the spirit world or to that part that remembers we are so much more than just walking machines. Meaningless is a great word. And I agree that uh, a lot of times our, in our lives, we do feel a lack of meaning, but what is meaning really? It's meaning is connection. So if the only connection that you experience are with your peers or with, sad to say these days, with your devices, your electronic device, there's really no meaning there. Mm. There's nothing important there. There's little pictures and uh, short little sentences, but gee, if that's all life is, it's really discouraging. What what we wish for, I think what everybody wants, is to be reconnected, to connect it to something greater than uh, themselves, something mm-hmm. higher than the human sphere, the, let's call it the spiritual realm, uh, mm-hmm. something that will bring meaning to uh, our lives and something we say, here's something I really belong to, I'm a part of, I'm a part of a community, I'm a part of a, uh, a, a movement uh, and I never realized it before until I did what's necessary to do, and this is part of what we teach, to reestablish that connection. Mm. So we're really talking generations of people who question, maybe it didn't come to their conscious awareness to question their meaning or how much meaning they found in their life. So many people could be what we would refer to as sleepwalkers who may not even recognize that their life is meaningless. They may have just been raised in the family where 
you go to work, you get a nine-to-five job, you wait for the weekends, you do whatever you do on the weekends, <laughs> and then you do it all over again, and often being in relationships that are not satisfying, work that sucks the soul dry, that sounds pretty dramatic, but many people seem to have that. So we're really talking about a huge task to wake up a lot of people who have been asleep perhaps for generations. It, yes, and, and a way of saying that in a nutshell is uh, opinions are a disease, mm. and it's a disease that we have to cure ourselves from. We Until we start looking, we don't know how many opinions that we've adopted from other people without thinking, without really, if, if our, our friends or our parents or our peers all believe one thing, then it's hard for us to buck the current and believe something else uh, uh, unless there's some major shift, uh, uh, a change in location or some other circumstance that forces us or allows us to take a broader view of things. So part of the necessary work is recognizing those things and figuring out how to deal with them. Mm -hmm. And we say you have to go into neutral about them. You have to withhold your judgments and say, you know, I don't really know if that's right or not. There's a mm-hmm. there's a way to talk about this in modern terminology and part of part of the work of the Free Alliance and the Fool's Journey, which is a part of that and we can talk about that uh in a bit. Part of this is uh, creating new terminology for old concepts because the old terminology, let's face it, has got so many uh, ugly connotations. Uh, religious terminology is old, it's archaic, it's got too much baggage, and for uh, 150 years people have been rejecting it right and left because there's nothing there that feeds them. So let's start with some new terminology. So these beliefs that we have, these opinions, we can call them just apps. you got apps for your phone, right? Apps for everything. Well, We have uh, apps that run inside us, in our minds, for everything. There's a Republican Party app. There's a Democratic Party app. There's a Baptist app. There's a Catholic app. There's racial uh, uh, apps. There's apps for everything. Well, the the difference with these apps from the apps on your phone is that they – Either they run all the time or they turn on unpredictably. Mm-hmm. So one app, let, to give a concrete example, let's talk about an anger app. Let's say you're driving down the road and some guy comes up behind you, uh, quickly starts talking the horn and swerves out uh, uh, in the left lane and passes you. And while he's going by, he, you see him yelling something at you and he flips you the bird uh, and roars past you. Uh, now, you have a choice. He was offering you an anger app, something that was alive. He wanted you, or he wanted to send you his anger. What are your choices? Well, your choices are you could 
accept that anger and get angry back and honk your horn, or now we even have a term for that. It's so prevalent. It's called road rage. And maybe you whip out your 45, which you've got underneath your seat, and you take a couple of shots at the guy. Or you can say, you know, I think the guy maybe was just having a bad day. I, I hope his day gets better, but it really had nothing to do with me. So mm-hmm. I choose not to run that app. Well, let's find out what the apps are that we run and then decide if we want to keep them or not. Maybe we want to have an app that instead says, you know, I'm going to suspend all these other apps until I learn something by direct experience. And if I don't learn it by direct experience, I'm going to remain ambivalent. I don't know. I'm and it's certainly fair to say in, in this day and age when things are so complicated. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm struck by your, by you first started talking about how opinions are a disease. And then we can drill it down even more into opinions are based on beliefs. And then beliefs are often translated or are often passed on from generation to generation. And I know with the systemic constellation work that I do, oftentimes people don't even think about a belief that they're carrying. They carry it as if it's their own. So it's in what we would refer to as their genetic code. They don't even think about it. They wouldn't even know why they're racist or why they have beliefs that women should get paid more than men, et cetera, et cetera. We can go down the whole litany of that. So if it's within the genetic code, if there are forces all around us that perpetuate the field of reactivity, which especially now we're living in a culture where there is a lot of reactivity, there's a lot of fragmentation, and with the fragmentation leads to manipulation. And I guess, you know, as you're talking, I really, I hear what you're saying, and I'm so much on the same page as what what you're talking about with needing to create a new terminology and what you and I have also talked about and I would like more reference on is because it's in the genetic code it has to come to one's conscious awareness and they need to know that there's even a problem before deciding to step out and do something new because they could also run the gamut of being rejected from their peers, being rejected from their family, being rejected from who they think they are. I said a lot but wondered what you wanted to say in response to that. Well, part of part of this is uh, realizing that there are many more possibilities for us, for each of us, than we've ever dreamed. There are higher possibilities that the world just doesn't talk about. Hardly anybody believes them anymore. And yet there was a time when everybody did. So... Can you talk more about what what you're saying, believing and having lost belief? Can you talk more about that yeah Um, after the golden age what ended it was some kind of a cataclysm Uh, and now there is a lot of physical geological evidence around the world for some kind of a major cataclysm that struck the earth about twelve and a half thousand years ago but I believe that it had uh, 
It also had a an electromagnetic component that affected us, affected our consciousness, not just our physical bodies. And uh, there's a lot of research about this. Uh, Valerie Hunt did some at UCLA many years ago about varying the electric and magnetic fields around people and watching what happened to them. Uh, when you lower the magnetic field, for example, too low, people can't stand up. They fall mm-hmm. over. It's hard for them to maintain their balance. Well, oh, that's pretty important. What happened? What would happen to us if the magnetic field surrounding the Earth changed suddenly? Maybe our consciousness would have been affected. Maybe it would have narrowed so that we can't so easily reach those unseen spiritual realms that we used to be in contact with all the time. Well, we have that story in the West, and it was made into a story where we were to blame. It had to do with one of the worst lies uh, ever perpetuated and that's the lie of original sin. That somehow somebody, a woman, did something wrong in a place and humankind has been punished for it ever since. Well, that's just somebody's opinion. And a lot of people, I suppose, believe it. Fewer believe it now than did in prior times. But suppose that it wasn't anybody's fault. Suppose it was just something that happened in the accidental universe that we find ourselves in. Suppose that it's something that we can fix. And here's a concrete way to visualize that. You're, you're driving along uh, in your car. You're, you're not driving. You're riding, along, riding with someone else. And you're on your cell phone. And all of a sudden, the connection, your phone connection drops nobody on the other end of the line anymore well what happened it's just like the connection between the our ordinary consciousness and the spiritual world it's not there anymore what happened well you look down in your phone and you see no bars oh well okay it's not my fault it's not the phone's fault it's just i'm out of range of the signal there's no bars so what do we do we go to some place where there are more bars we get a better phone we get uh, uh, a bigger antenna. Um, we build another cell phone tower. Whatever. It wasn't our fault that the con- that the connection was lost. It's just a circumstance of the times, and there is something we can do to reestablish it. And it's not that hard. It just takes some work. And is the this key- within us? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Uh, go ahead. It's it's. It's all within us, and seeing that there are possibilities that we had never conceived of for ourselves is the first step. Well, if there's a way to reestablish that communication, maybe that's something that I would be interested in figuring out how to do for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Free Alliance is all about. It's about reestablishing and keeping that connection consciously. And you know, we all have it. 
particularly as children we have it, but uh, it comes in many different ways. It comes as intuition. It comes as a hunch. And by the way, it's not just feminine intuition. Men have it as equally uh, as much as women. Maybe uh, a lot of us men just don't pay as much attention to it as uh, we we should. Uh, it comes in uh, overhearing a, a conversation at the next table in a restaurant, and somebody says something. I say, "Oh, hey, I had never thought about that." It's a little hint, and it it comes from the other side. It comes to us in little ways. It's that small, quiet voice within us. <clears throat> that says, oh, hey, listen to this. I'm trying to help you out if you could only listen to me. Well, the work then is to figure out how to listen better. And part of that work is getting quiet. So quieting the mind and getting the mind unhooked from the outside world. And that's a, a, a specific term. We get hooked in all kinds of ways and we get dragged from one place to another we believe all kinds of crazy things when maybe we should just take a break and say, okay, I'm going to suspend a lot of these beliefs until I can figure out what's really going on. And the way to do that is to go inside because it's not any place outside. It's just inside. Well, you and I, and thank you, that's a beautiful explanation to a very complex issue and one obviously that will take more than our our time here and at least it's this our talk's going to be a wonderful invitation for people to explore more of what you have to offer i'm i think about how as young children and you mentioned this earlier how easy it is to tap into intuition some more than others sensitive seem to tap into it and then because of their upbringing or now because science saying in some ways poo-pooing the whole intuitive notion, the second brain that they referred to. So it really, and I'm playing a bit of a devil's advocate because obviously I'm on the same page as you are, but I also recognize that some people have been raised to believe that the brain gets to a certain state, that it's not neuroplastic, that once you get to a certain age or you have these beliefs that they're like set in stone. There is no moving out of it as if there's rigidity that controls someone. So with that, how, you know, and I look at religion as, as people looking outside of themselves, looking for what you've been talking about, having that connection that's so much more than they are. I, it, the invitation to bring people into the awareness of what you have to offer, how will you go about doing that? Well, first let me say about the ossification of the brain or the mind. That's pish and tosh, as they used to say. It's all nonsense. The universe is uh, full of opportunity at every moment. There is uh, an incredible range of possibilities at every moment and it doesn't matter how old or young we are um, I'm old enough to know that that's not true that's definitely not true but there's a there's a way that we can let it be true and that's letting somebody else be in charge mm. we have to learn how to be in charge of ourselves 
We have mm-hmm. to learn how to be in charge of our thoughts. That's the opinion part. We have to learn how to be in charge of our emotions, which, uh, as you know, um, can be a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be able to bring up from deep within us the hurts and the pains, the traumas from the past, uh, even from the present, and look at them dispassionately as a witness. Look at them as if through a camera, like they were, they happened to someone else, someone else. And uh, with thoughts, this is easy. With thoughts, you can allow a thought to come up and then push it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 an easy way to do it is just to allow a thought to come up. Just realize that that's the thought in your mind for a moment and then throw it behind you. Uh, visualize throwing it in a river that's flowing away from you and it disappears. Mm-hmm. And if you do that over and over again, amazingly enough, pretty soon thoughts don't start coming as fast as they used to. Mm-hmm. And your mind becomes still. Mm-hmm. Emotions are a little harder to deal with, particularly strong negative emotions. So we can look at them dispassionately as if they happened to someone else and throw them away. But sometimes they're pretty sticky and we need some more, a more powerful kind of uh, work. And I think that's uh, your constellation work, which meshes with uh, the free alliance and the fool's journey work so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it helps uh, us go inside and, Bring those out, those traumas and negative emotions, and let us look at them and helps us uh, get rid of them. You know, this work has never been work that you can do alone. This work always needs people uh, working in a group of some kind. That's why I decided to call it the Free Alliance, uh, alliance of not only different people, but an alliance uh, that includes specifically our unseen spiritual helpers, which are there at every moment. And it's why there's always possibility. It's why there's never a dead end. It's why there's never the end of the story. There's always the chance for the story to change at any moment. Mm -hmm. There's always a chance for us to say, I'm in charge, whether it's my health, my relationships, my financial situation. And If we know we have help, if we know we're not alone, then we have we can develop within us the strength and the courage to do what we need to do to realize those new possibilities. And I tell you, when that happens, that's really exciting. And it's can exciting you exciting to experience, and it's exciting to see it happen in someone else. And I notice that as you're talking and as I know you as well, you've experienced, you've experienced that. Could you talk a little bit from a personal perspective what it's like to know that the guidance is there and they're not as far as, way, they're not a, as, far as away as some may feel that they are, if you would want to share? Okay. Uh, well, you know, the, the, uh, the, the riddle... Uh, how many Apaches can hide in your living room? And the answer is as many as want to. 
the reason is not because uh, not only because Apaches are excessively good uh, exceedingly good uh, at hiding at concealing themselves but because we don't expect them to be there we're not looking for them so they could be standing in the middle of the room and we might not even see them They're not part of our reality but they could be we could tune them in and as children we are exceptionally good at, well, frankly, at not tuning them out. So in my own case, I guess it started when I was five or six years old. I would meet uh, at night. I would meet on the stairway, the back stairway in our house, uh, a lady who would take me on uh, an adventure, on a trip. This happened over and over and over again. Now, it was very real to me. But if that had been all there was, and I uh, we outgrow these things usually by the time we're eight, uh, the world has uh, thrust itself into our consciousness so much that we give up those inner visions, those invisible playmates that many of us had when we were young. Maybe we forgot about them. Uh, I forgot about uh, some of my experiences for many years uh, until one one day I was doing some work and they just came back and I said, oh, wow, I forgot all about that for for decades. Uh, I have seen some of these helpers uh, music has been a big part of uh, this journey. Music is so powerful. The right kind of music. And I was playing some music on my keyboard that was based on tunings that are 5,000 years old. They come from ancient Sumer. Uh, they were discovered by uh, a really smart guy named Lou Harrison. Uh, in the Egyptian museum, oh, the British Museum in the Egyptian section, and he decided that he decoded them as being uh, ways to tune a musical instrument. So I did that with my synthesizer and was playing music for people. Uh, maybe the first time that music like that had been heard for a long time. And it, when I was done, and the day was over, it was twilight. I saw. Uh, these beings and I didn't know who they were later on I figured out that they had come for the music and they came to say thanks for playing that kind of music it was a year or two later when I found out uh, reading in a a book written a a hundred years ago uh, by a guy named Evans Vence that in Ireland and Scotland, these uh, types of beings, exactly as I saw them, were described in a book. Uh, they were quite tall, 14 feet tall, uh, translucent, and the description in the book that I was reading exactly matched who I saw uh, in the evening light. And you know, when when you... When you let the work, 
when you let the universe work on your behalf and you experience things, even little things, that never happened to you before or don't happen to most people, then you figure, you know, there's something real going on. And it's this isn't something that anybody can throw an opinion at. Mm-hmm. You can say, well, I don't believe in that stuff. But here we go back to opinions, which are so important. It's only something that you know is true or not. You know it's true when you have the experience. And it can't be anything else. You don't have anybody else telling you what you should experience. You don't have anybody else telling you what to do. You've taken charge of having your own experience. You, be, you learn to become your own expert on these things. Then you know. And until then, mm-hmm. it's just an opinion that somebody has, and it doesn't mean a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, boy, looking at the, the high rise of demoralization, depression, suicide, anxiety, a culture that is one of the highest as far as pharmaceutical use, and people feeling so meaningless in so many ways and really coming to their knees because many of the ways that used to work for them are no longer working. It's such a powerful time for you bringing your work forward and wondered, you spoke earlier about the Fool's Journey. How does the Fool's Journey wrap into the Free Alliance and how can people move away from those places of being splayed open in some ways. It's really beautiful, I guess you could look at, that people are feeling so demoralized and so depressed, not in a sick kind of way, but when we go to our knees, there's only one way to go after that, and that's rising up and reaching up. And so wondered how the fool's journey comes into play with what we've been talking about. Well, if you're happy in your own beliefs, and you're happy in your life, and you're satisfied uh, then this work is for you. Uh, but if you're in despair, if you're demoralized, if you, uh, you know, there was a song Peggy Lee sang years ago, if, if that's all there is, my friend, I'll just keep dancing, uh, <laughs> giving up. But if you have already given up, because your previous belief systems didn't get you what you wanted. They left you in a state of limbo. They left you alone. Then you're the kind of person that may be interested in this kind of work. So let's start back in the 90s. I'll tell you how I came to this. Uh, and what the fool's journey is and where it came from. Um, I was a player in the New Age movement back in the late 80s and most of the 90s. So I wrote a book about uh, how to channel, and we gave classes. Um, my wife Pamela and I gave classes on on that. And, you know... Uh, in the New Age movement, it's 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 like uh, the Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland, who had to believe six impossible things before breakfast. Um, uh, there was an awful lot we were asked to believe that I just didn't believe. The 
whole lot of UFO stuff and aliens, and I didn't know if any of that was true. The beings that we were channeling, they were all more or less swell, but the message was, hey, if anything really bad happens, we'll beam you up like a in Star Trek or something. And not once did anybody ever say, here's how you can be like us. So I had had it by the year 2000 with that whole New Age movement, and I quit. But I decided I would find out where some of those beliefs came from because there were some good ones in there. So I spent 15 years on that quest. And along the way, I found uh, a book that came out in the 90s, a book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, which was a bestseller at the time, and uh, for all I know, probably still is a bestseller. It's a wonderful book, uh, uh, fully in alignment with uh, what we've been talking about here. But in his next book, it was called Beyond Fear, he spent uh, a a brief page and a half uh, arranging the cards from the tarot deck, the 22 cards, in a certain way uh, that he related to uh, the Toltec city of Teotihuacan in Mexico. So in years past, like a lot of other people, I had tarot cards and I had the tarot books and I would lay out the Celtic cross and give readings for people. Uh, which was ultimately unsatisfying, so I'd given that up. But when I saw his book, I said, well, you know, I know something about the cards. Let me lay them out and see what I can see from them. Well, some of his ideas turned out to be, for my purposes, turned out to be good. Uh, Others, I had to make some substantial changes. But I came up with a map, which is a map of a spiritual journey, And it uses those tarot cards as a framework. So let me explain a little bit about that. Uh, It has nothing to do with fortune telling. Uh, I'm not interested in knowing whether you're going to meet a tall, dark stranger or not, anything like that. Instead, though, the pictures on the cards are archetypes. And... There are special kind of symbols that mean a lot, that mean, can mean many things, and they're not limited in any time or place. So I wanted to know where the tarot cards came from. Well, it seems to be a big mystery until I read a book by Idris Shah called The Sufis, and he says the tarot cards are Sufi teaching material. In fact, he calls them deputy material, meaning in the absence of a qualified sheikh who can take the aspirant on the spiritual journey uh, that the Sufis teach, these cards could be used in a limited way in the absence of such a teacher. He also said the original tarot cards, which came into Europe about the year 1400, uh, we're not numbered. Now, the cards, if people are familiar with the cards now, they all have a number, but the numbers were added much later. And they came into Europe from uh, Spain, which was controlled by the Moors, and the 
esoteric element of Islam, of course, were the Sufis. So he said uh, some of the cards are incorrectly attributed. Some of them, uh, the names are misleading. Well, I had enough hints by that time to create a map of the cards laid out in a certain way. And that map became a map of what I've started to call the fool's journey. Um, I had help from uh, the signs of the Zodiac, uh, interestingly enough. Um, there were 12 special cards in the uh, among the 22 that were laid out in a certain way. And it turns out they all correlated to uh, the signs of the Zodiac, for example. There's a, a card uh, called Strength with a Woman uh, Holding the, the Mouth of a Lion. Well, there's a sign of the Zodiac that corresponds to a lion. It's called Leo. There's another card, uh, a tarot card called Justice, and it's a woman who has, holding one hand, holds a pan balance uh, scales. Well, there's another sign of the Zodiac. It's called Libra, and there's a, a similar uh, sign, uh, uh, scales, scale balance. Well, it turned out that there was only one way to lay out the cards so as to correspond to the signs of the zodiac. Not interested in horoscopes here, only in what the signs of the zodiac meant. And the zodiac is 5,000 years old, has been mostly unchanged during that time. So there's something meaningful about that so mm -hmm. I was struck over and over again with meaning and it all made coherent sense mm -hmm. so that resulted in The Fool's Journey and two volumes uh, that I wrote The Fool's Secret Journey uh, first and second volume about the tarot the zodiac and the goddess because it turns out that underneath the symbolism in the tarot cards is a feminine deity, what used to be called in the West the triple goddess, the white goddess, who has three aspects, the virgin, the mother, and the crone, all of whom are explicitly represented in the tarot. So there's a whole consistent tradition that I rediscovered and put it together uh, in a map. And along with the map, there are practices which help get the fool, and we call ourselves fools who are on this journey. And that's a term of, it's a special technical term. That it means someone who is not, who is willing to, look foolish in front of his peers, someone who's willing to commit to an idea, an idea of taking a spiritual journey and not be dissuaded from that by people who say, oh, no, it's, why are you wasting your time doing that? There's nothing, which, again, is another opinion. So part of that work 
again, nicely enough, is accomplished by doing the constellation work that you do. So that was another uh, big chunk of meaning that got uh, put into this uh, almost a year ago now, I think, uh, when we first met, that just sort of fits everything together. And it makes coherent sense. I've, in the time I have completed this, I haven't run into one thing that's contradictory. So I, I look at it as having received this map as a gift. I had a lot of help with it. But we all have a lot of help. If we can get out of the ego, mm-hmm. what the ego wants, you know, spirit doesn't really care about that too much. Uh, spirit has an agenda, and it has to do with uh, tasks that uh, last for millennia. And maybe here is a place uh, to say what the word "freea" means. Can I can yes, I and, switch to that? Yes, and. And before you go on, I'd like to say I haven't had a lot of experience with tarot. The only experience I've really had with it is people doing readings with tarot. And so it's it's been really beautiful in how you have demystified it and in ways made it rather, and this is going back to what we were talking earlier about, instead of people looking for someone else to do a reading of their destiny or whatever that might be, the approach that you have is coming again from the inside out. It's our own fool's journey that we embark on. And yes, I do want to know more about Freya. Well, the word as we use it is spelled F-R-E-E-Y-A. And it's a play on um, the Norse goddess Freya, which is spelled F-R-E-Y. Uh, A or F R E Y J A, um, and in the old uh, Norse poems, Freya was the patron and protectress of the human race, and uh, she wore a beautiful necklace around her neck called the Brisingamen, and the word refers to human spiritual awareness just the kind of connectedness that we've been talking about, uh, but visualized here as a unique and precious jewel that she had around uh, her neck. But next in the story, this necklace was stolen, uh, which is metaphorical, of course. It means a real loss that befell us. And that's the near-severing of this connection to the higher realms of existence. Not complete because we still get it. As children, we get it, and we get it in the hunches and intuition that we've been talking about. But otherwise, uh, to get it back, we have to work at it. But it's the goal of the Freya Alliance to free us. Freya is... uh, uh, means free you. It's a way to free you so that fr- from your limitations so that you 
are free to restore that lost spiritual awareness. Mm. And again, it's something that's hard to do, almost impossible to do yourself. And many traditions around the world require that you have a spiritual teacher. In Hinduism, for example, you nearly always need a guru of some kind. Well, it turns out that in this day and age that qualified gurus are far, uh, few and far between. So besides that, if you, if the ordinary person saw somebody who advertised himself as being a guru, how would you know if he was really a guru or he was just putting you on to take your money, which all too many of them were. And it's yes. been noted many times before that India didn't always send its best gurus to the West uh, over the last hundred years or so. So what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is to learn how to listen to the guru that's inside us. Learn how to listen to our whatever you want to call them. And here we run into uh, terminology again. Um, In the past, they've been called your guardian angel, your, your inner guides, your who knows what. I prefer to call them the few. Um, uh, as, uh, in a distinct group from, well, there's the many. Everybody knows what the many are. That's probably 95% of us, 90% anyway. The second group is the powerful, and we all know who those are, the leaders, the bosses, the controllers, the takers, the people who want more and more for themselves. And then there are the fools who exist in here in the physical plane, but also exist in higher planes. The fourth group is the fools who go seeking them. So. Wow. With all that, with all that you're saying, and thank you for that clear explanation. Why do you think now in our period in time, is it so important that your work go forward? Well, Uh, uh, I recently wrote uh, uh, a blog post about personal spirituality service. uh, Personal spirituality and service in the age of anarchy. And we live in an age of anarchy. People are doing and not doing whatever they want to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have a a Congress that doesn't do what they're supposed to do. against the Constitution. Um, that's not right. They shouldn't be able to just do that. Uh, we have people who lie constantly. Lying is the norm. You can't trust anybody anymore. Well, how are you supposed to keep your bearings in a time like this? How are you supposed to stay safe? Well, if you had help, just as an example... If there was a mugging downtown on 3rd Street, you might find yourself uptown on 27th Street at the time. Why? Because you listened to that little small voice inside you which said, you know, it would be a good idea to go to this other place and not go downtown this evening. Mm -hmm. Life can work like that. You can get guidance from inside that knows stuff like that. And here again, that's not something you can throw an opinion at. It's something you have to do the work, get quiet inside, cultivate listening, 
and then see for yourself. That's the only way it works. Wow. Well, I'm I'm really excited to be on this venture with you, and you know, it it is a beautiful fit bringing in the constellation work because part of what you and I have talked about so much is that there is that innate there is that innate innate um, connection with the upper world, and because people have so much trauma that they've carried for lifetimes and experiences that keep loading them down with not being in the moment and not being able to see outside oneself to know that there is more happening. And so it'll be really wonderful to see where, where the vision goes. And I'm so grateful to have met you to bring this work forward in the way that you have. You, um, you're such a master at what you do, and it's it's an honor to be part of of what your vision is. And with that, what would you like to leave the listeners with? And how how could if someone's interested, how could they find out more? And what would you like to leave the listeners with? Well, uh, there's ordinary living, and there's more than living. Suppose you could, in your life, you could do more than living. You could have some kind of life that is greater, higher, more connected than what you ever imagined could be. What if you could see and realize possibilities for yourself that you never knew existed? You know, I didn't do this by myself. I had a lot of help. These spiritual guides are real, and they helped me and supported me at every turn. I could never have done this stuff by myself. Uh, and whenever I get down in the dumps and I I get discouraged myself, I I usually get some kind of a, you know, keep going. Here's some little tidbit that maybe you've forgotten about. A book nearly falls off a shelf and I open it and there's something that helps me. I'm open to that and I've had, I've done that so often and participated in that way of life so often that it's natural to me now but most for most people it's not so the way into this is uh we're going to uh, have a a weekend workshop probably now it won't happen until the first of the year um you can find out about it at uh dot com. that's f-r-e-e-y-a alliance dot com uh, or my website fredcameron dot com and the books uh, uh, the full secret journey are available on Amazon mm-hmm. wow. and you can contact me people can contact me with whatever questions they have I'm available you are available and you've been you're very generous with how you are available and I'd also like to say that people that are interested in finding out more about what Fred and gratefully I will be offering is going on to the website there are some YouTubes available um, I'm not speaking that's correct right <laughs> there are yes some and, and more are coming more in the can just not up yet more in the canner. So to watch you work and to watch you be in the flow is so inspiring and 
again, I'm really grateful to to be part of this. And thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And for listeners, um, please pass this information on. If you were not able to listen to the show, you can go to blog talk forward slash authentic messengers.com to see what the archive shows are next week october 25th i will be interviewing dan saya who is the chief innovation officer of positivemediapress.com he's one that has been termed as jack of all trades he's a professional he's one who keeps websites running and handles all the back end techie stuff he's a master communicator and actually um dan and tammy and denise all of who were part of the Authentic Messengers have come together to offer a wonderful program called Positive Media Press. So please stay tuned for for what's coming up with that. For listeners out there, thank you so much for joining us. We love it if you could go to Facebook.com to leave your comments, your likes, whatever kind of comments you would like to leave for us. This is truly a time to be inspired by one another, to trust and know that something so much bigger than us is opening. And so with that being said, be kind to each other, love each other. May we be all happy. May we be peaceful. And may we share love. Take good care and talk to you next week. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Catherine. Much love.